Hello and welcome to Comic Book Herald's Creanitators. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. Today I'm joined by Victoria Grace Elliott. We're going to be talking about new graphic novel, Yummy, which graphic novel history of desserts from ice cream to cake to donuts and beyond. Victoria, thanks for joining. I'm excited to talk desserts with you and this work. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? You know, I'm doing pretty, pretty well. Thank you for asking. Uh, I, I think part of that, part of my mood like doing so well is it's December and it's holiday season and I'm definitely indulging in more treats than usual. And yummy definitely inspired me to continue doing that. Yeah. <laughs> when I was reading it the other night, I was like, I need to grab some more cookies. This is definitely, I, I was, I had the deadly combination of, I was reading yummy and I've been watching the, the great British baking show with my wife. So it was like, I'm, I'm done for like, I'm going to have to. <laughs> yeah, <it> absolutely. <laughs> no, I, I think like just looking at the desserts and then, yeah, if you're actually seeing people making them as well on TV and then also this season, it's like, yeah, deadly combo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely. So, you know, I'm curious. So you do the whole graphic novel history of desserts here. It's written for for younger readers, right? I think the demo is probably like 8 to 12. Um, mm-hmm. As you were putting this together, did your baking escalate to new heights? Like, did you find yourself baking all the time? Or were you so busy with the research and and putting this thing together that actually you did less cooking than usual? I feel like, you know, I did have to do, I would say, yes, it did reach new heights. I think I'm not that much of a, like, a precise baker myself, but especially when I was doing the pie recipe, I learned how to make that pie crust from scratch. And that has been a godsend. I made a really good, the the recipe that's in here is the blueberry pie. And I made that for like a summer celebration when I was actually working on the book. And then I've sort of used that uh, same recipe for like making pumpkin pies around like you know, the fall time. So it's, it's been really good. I, I wouldn't say like I'm a fantastic baker, but I've definitely learned new skills since working on this. Sure. Sure. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely a, a skill The the precision with baking is what always gets me. I prefer cooking where I can just sprinkle things and, and see what happens. Definitely. Um, it, so you're putting together this graphic novel history and for, for readers who are considering checking this out, first off, all well, links here in the show notes. Um, but second, like the, the flow of yummy is we have this Sprite, this magical Sprite of desserts, uh, named Perry is kind of guiding us through, this history, um, including like legends of desserts, including, you know, historical facts, including recipes. Uh, it, this approach I thought was interesting in terms of like creating sort of a narrative, right. And creating a, a visual way to represent all this information. How did you go about kind of deciding on how you wanted to take that approach? Like, did you research other graphic novel histories or things like that to figure out how you wanted to communicate, um, what, you know, a history, which can at times be dense. Honestly, I didn't really do any research on other graphic novel history books. Uh, I know I had read the Understanding Comics series by Scott McCloud like years and years and years ago. So that's kind of where like I had an idea for a narrator. But I think it just made sense to me to divide it up into these different desserts and then go chronologically. And it was actually in the process where I was doing because I spent so I spent a month doing research um, at the beginning of this entire process. And it was in that that I sort of came up with the story times and the interview corners and the science labs based off of what I was interested in. Because uh, it was like, you know, you you see a lot of those stories about the, uh, oh, somebody forgot this ingredient and suddenly we had a new dessert on our hands. Right. Um, and those are really fun to share. And so that became an opportunity to like have an interesting section that sort of divided it up. 
so that it wasn't just all of this information being thrown at you at once. You had a lot more opportunity for character interaction and humor mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, and the interview corner was kind of that as well. One of my original ideas had been to like interview people who were maybe professional bakers or something like that. But the thing is, is I didn't have those kinds of resources available to do that kind of in-depth research. And also the timeline for graphic novels is super tight. So it was also like, I just couldn't go out and do it and also write this book and also draw this book. So it became a fun way to like have a sprite who instead does research and, you know, she's not representing the history like a hundred percent faithfully, but I think it also allowed that same conversation of uh, looking at history in a really human way and Mm -hmm. looking at history in a way where history is always a little bit more nebulous, I think, than we like to teach it. And it sort of opened up that conversation in the book as well. So, and then, you know, the science lab, it's just interesting to learn about like why cakes are fluffy and stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. No, I I definitely appreciated the, the way you talk about history and kind of the openness around, yeah, some of these legends are apocryphal, but they're fun, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And it's worth sharing. And then even with some of the, you know, something like, uh, okay, who invented the donut hole? Right. And you have an interview in Yummy with someone who might have, <laughs> they claim yeah. they did, yeah. but it's, you know, there's, there's some doubt. Um, and I appreciate there's, there's these contexts with the histories too, where it's like, you know, a lot of the ways these foods were made, um, you know, it's rooted in this, this history of colonization and slavery and who is telling the history matters. And just like the honesty, I think that you're bringing to that, that history is somewhat malleable is, is important. I, I think increasingly important and, and a good thing here to, to include, especially for younger readers, because I think it's something that, you know, I'm in my early 30s and I don't think that's a lesson I got as a kid. <laughs> I'm getting it now, I think. Um, wh- what did you want to make sure you got across kind of with that, you know, that openness and that transparency around around history? Yeah, it's it's absolutely what you said. I think I was lucky in that my dad, he's Southern and so he was raised in the South, like raised in South Alabama. But he he grew up with this mentality of always like, know what you don't know. And that's mm-hmm. something he taught me when I was growing up as well. And I think, especially with our backgrounds, that's something that's really valuable to sort of see outside of where you live and see outside of maybe what your immediate community is in a way that that makes you a lot more understanding. So that was definitely the ethos going into this book. And, you know, like, uh, yeah, again, more and more, this seems to be something that we're trying to reconcile and teach kids and teach ourselves like I'm in my 30s as well and it seems like this is something that is becoming more and more important so mm-hmm. it was a way of sort of embodying that in the book yeah yeah no and I think it's integrated very smoothly um so that's kind of the approach you've taken we we have all this history but it's also very fun with these legends and things um what do you wish you had known before you started, because this is your your first full graphic novel. I mean, you've you've done the web comic Balderdash for years now, um, but this this with Random House Graphic is, to my knowledge, your first like major full graphic novel. Um, what do you wish you had known about the process? Oh, that's such a good question. I guess there was a definitely. I have not worked with a team on the level that I was working with in this uh, making this book because I was working on the web comic before, and it was just purely me going into it. So I think there's a lot about the editorial process that I wish I had known just in terms of like the time it takes. Cause you know, you, when you yeah. factor in so many other people, so many other people are doing their full-time job as well. Uh, so stuff like that, going into the timeline and everything, taking account of what other people's schedules are and you know, that kind of thing. Sure. That makes sense. 
Um, what was the what was the hardest piece to cut? Like what what information did you have the hardest time <laughs> taking out of the Oh so I really, really love Japanese style strawberry shortcake and just any like light fluffy whipped cream cake with fresh fruit. And yeah. I had found a history of it and it had a pretty interesting like origin and it would have made a good like legend of, but unfortunately it just like did not make the cut in this book because especially the cake chapter is pretty hefty. And yeah. then I, I have a sequel uh, follow-up book called yummy, a history of tasty experiments. And in that I was like, okay, I'll do it in this book. Cause there were a lot of ones that got cut in the first book that I ended up being able to talk about in the second book. And I still yeah. didn't have space to talk about it. Like there just wasn't a good opportunity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's the one, like it's my favorite cake. So I feel really, sad that i wasn't able to include it that's the uh like like five years down the road when there there needs to be like a reprint <laughs> version and <laughs> there's the special japanese shortcake extended yes. cut yes <laughs> that's good all right so so what was for you like what was the legend you uncovered or one of these stories that you got to tell that was like the most surprising or maybe stuck with you the most what do you, what do you think was kind of your your favorite coming out of this I definitely think the one that stuck with me a lot was Francis Hashimoto's story pretty early on, The Legend of Mochi Ice Cream, just because it was so, like, uh, she was so emblematic of, like, Little Tokyo and was an important community member. And I don't know, it's just, like, I think that also set sort of the stage for how I wanted to tell other story times as well as it went on. And I think that's one of my favorite story times just in how it was written. And like Francis as a person seemed like she was very charismatic. And so it was nice being able to, you know, characterify this real person in that way too. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that was kind of the story time, the legend that stuck out to me the most. I think I had a lot of fun as well with like, uh, the legend of Nankatai because it was uh, just I was able to do a little bit more hijinks there like the expressions that he makes when he's like well who's gonna eat this well I guess I'll make it a cookie I really mm -hmm. enjoyed that too it was a lot a lot of fun to like draw that and it's also just that's an interesting cultural history because it's in India but it's like two people from different cultures having to figure out how to appeal to the locals uh, so it's an interesting like lot of intersections going on there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, yeah, I've definitely been, I, I've been talking to my wife about this a lot because she, she likes to bake and I, I definitely keep coming back to just like how, how global baking is and how like, and how just sort of integrated into humanity it is, you know, and the fact that like so many different cultures at so many different times would just come to the revelation of like, yeah, fried dough tastes awesome. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's not, there's not like one specific point necessarily, but it's like lots of people coming to that sort of thing and being like, yeah, donuts rule. <laughs> and we just have to find different ways to make them. Uh, I love that about baking. Like it's this, it's this universal way that people and, and cultures can connect, you know? Um, and it's awesome. Yeah. It definitely comes through in the work. Yeah, I feel like there's the the ongoing thesis, I think, between this book and the next book is that like, what tastes good always tastes good. Like, we all have different tastes, but we always want to taste something that tastes good. And so it just becomes a celebration of the food. And yeah, like the donut chapter is a perfect example of that, where it's like, anyone could do this. I told my mom about it. And she told me about in her college years, she was like, oh yeah, we would get like strips of dough and we'd put it in like, I can't remember what she said they put it in and then they cover it in honey. And I was like, that's it. You invented a donut. Like it's yeah. the same process. <laughs> that's great. 
What were the um? So you're talking about these stories, and obviously this is you know extensively researched in terms of the history and and these legends that you did pull into the book. What were the legends that were like not appropriate for kids? <laughs> were there any that were like <laughs> like weirdly like just I don't know inappropriate and didn't fit? Fortunately, I feel like there really wasn't. I mean, and the ones that I would feel like would be considered inappropriate would be ones that like ended up you know being important to talk about for the historical sort of uh accuracy and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, fortunately there was like, I don't think there's anything too inappropriate. There was one that I did end up cutting because I think it, it was an interesting story about a woman who was enslaved selling a certain kind of donut in New Orleans to buy her freedom. freedom. Mm-hmm. And I did not include that one because I didn't want to send this message of pull yourself up by your bootstraps to kids, uh, I, you know, it, it was sort of like, yeah, if you just work hard enough, you'll get out of this bad situation. And so that one was a hard one to cut because it was like, I f- wanted to have more black representation in the book and just like more stories from that perspective. But it's hard when you're dealing with a lot of Western history and a lot of uh, history in English, which has a very particular perspective, right? So that was one that was, I did cut that one. And I don't think it was necessarily that it was like inappropriate, but I think it set a message that was sort of contrary to what I believe in and what I was going for. Yeah, no, that's thoughtful. So was the trade-off there then to, you know, the points you make about where those recipes come from, right? That there are like a lot of the recipes that we think of as originating in New Orleans are actually like West African and they come to New Orleans because of the slave trade. Like, is that kind of, I don't know, tying together like, Hey, there's history here and it's not good history. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, it's quite yeah, awful. And, but and that's also celebrating the expertise of the people who yeah. were already good chefs, you know, it's like, and because they were forced to be in a new place, like it doesn't mean they stopped being a good chef. They just needed to learn new ways and had to learn new ways. And so, yeah, trying to frame it where the expertise was what was important and the experience that these people had and like what tasted good to them. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Uh, if, if kids take away one thing from Yummy, you know, as this book it starts to it starts to come out and hit audiences and you get in libraries and all that. What do you want it to be? Like, what do you think that the major takeaway should be? I really want kids to, I think there's, there's different cultural understandings you can take from this learning to respect other people's cultures and their food and learning to be excited by that instead of regarding it with distrust or like disgust. Uh, which I think a lot of kids can tend to do and they can be like, oh, I don't like that. And I think it's fine not to like things, but I think sometimes there's cultural baggage there that goes a little bit deeper than just preference, right? So trying to encourage this idea of like, we all love different things. We all love different things for different reasons and celebrating the food we love and the food that people around us love. Yeah, I love that. No, that's great. That's definitely a, an awesome message to be sending. And yeah, it is. It, it's so tricky. I think so I have three young kids and it's very tricky to get the oldest to just try new things, period. Right. But then, you know, just that consciousness, just that thoughtfulness of thinking like, all right, in, in efforts to like make him just eat a reasonable diet, <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. isn't always chicken nuggets, like, like weaving different like cultures and different flavors in there and stuff like that and having it just so, yeah, it doesn't feel like this, it, you know, this like 
strange outsider's food that we don't touch or, you know, so that whatever, mm-hmm. whatever you might be thinking, like, yeah, you don't want that. Um, it's, it's, it's not that and it doesn't need to be. Um, okay. So it, yummy two is in the works. Uh, you've mentioned, um, or it's got, you know, a, another kind of focus. So you mentioned it's more focused on experiments. What can you tell us about kind of what's coming from the sequel and like what kind of timing you're looking at? Oh, yeah. So the book is coming out in 2023. I am wrapping it up sort of right now. I'm working on the last chapter of the book. Um, But it's so I had a lot of questions when I was working on this one. And I love cheese and I love have grown to love pickles and and kimchi and a lot of pickled food like that. Hmm. And so I was kind of like, how, you know, how these come to be and then ended up doing research on those and had um, some stories I could tell about those. So those are two of the biggest chapters are on cheese and pickles. Um, I also get to talk about soda, which was really fun because soda ties into like that weird era of like Renaissance science in a fun way. Hmm. Uh, and like, you know, later into like, uh, the advertising era. So there's a lot of fun food packaging there. And that sort of leads seamlessly into easy food, which is basically just my, what I'm calling packaged food. So canned food, things like that, essentially like why we think of pickles and cheese as weird food is largely because of the fact that we have such an industrialized food culture. And so talking about easy food was really fun because I get to talk about like Crisco and like frozen mm-hmm. dinners and things like that. So I'm, I'm getting to talk about and draw all this different food packaging and like the weird food of the like 50s and I get to briefly mention, you know, all the like odd casseroles that had hot dogs in them or whatever, you know, that like Velveeta <laughs> was coming up with or Spam. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, it became a really fun chapter to talk about. And it's just sort of, you know, the experiments of the past and the future that we've sort of done with food and how that is very different, but it's kind of the same thing. We're still inventing new kinds of cheese and stuff like that. Yeah, good. Well, the more cheese, the better as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) That's that's a great thing. Um, Cool. That sounds really interesting. Did you always, not always, but like have, has this sort of focus on history of food been something you thought you would, would want to dig into and present in graphic novel form for like an extended period of time? Or is it more just like Random House came to you, you had the opportunity to pitch something and you're like, I could do that. You know, is it kind of just, you know, one thing led to another? Yeah, it's. I guess it is kind of a one thing led to another. Uh, I do really love food there, and there were so many pitch ideas I did have that center food, uh, in one way or another. But it's sure. like I think this was a little bit easier for me in some ways than even writing my web comic, which features food history to a certain degree. Because with yeah. my web comic, it was like I don't bake bread. Like I don't know how to do this. Like I'd watch a lot of YouTube videos, but it like. Yeah wasn't my forte. And so (laughs) this was a little bit easier for me, actually, because it was more about like celebrating food and loving food and learning about food, Mm. which is something I do a lot of. So I was like, okay, this is a little bit more up my alley anyway. And it's fun to sort of share, share the love and the knowledge. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, yeah, because Balderdash, you know, yeah, I went back and I was reading it. And right, it's very baking intensive, right? Like that's, that's much of the story. There's various recipes throughout the webcomic. There's yeah, there's that clear love of food and and baking. That's funny, though, that that's not necessarily what you're like, most most focused on in your own day to day. And, And instead, it's more just Yeah, celebrating how great this is and, and where it comes from and all that cool stuff. Um, very cool. So so Balderdash, is that that series, um, is it done? Is it something you want to return to? Like, where do you see yourself uh, in relation to Balderdash? 
I, you know, the, I still am pretty proud of the story I had had planned. So I think if there was ever an opportunity to return to it, I would love that. Um, I do think, though, it's also something that was very much a comic I was making. I, I think everything, every project I sort of do does have a certain degree of what I'm going through at that time. I'm sort of working through it in the narrative, even mm-hmm. Yummy to a certain degree in the the follow-up book as well. So I feel like, you know, the version of myself that needed to work through whatever I needed to work through in Balderdash is like, you know, I've, I've grown up and I'm past that now. But I also think like just in terms of returning to the story and what was in it, I definitely think I could do that and it would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. With, with Yummy, what do you think um, you were working through as far as you want to share? Like, what do you think that helped you e- either just professionally, like like as storytelling goes or just for yourself? Yeah, it's definitely it, it was very satisfying to do something for the first time for a major publisher. So that was great. But I do think there's a lot of, you know, I was working on these books over the past. I think I started working on this maybe about three, four years ago. So just in the political climate, it's like sort of a way of what we've been talking about, uh, going back to these histories of colonialism and imperialism that maybe we maybe don't want to talk about for various reasons and addressing it really directly. And, you know, learning to reconcile, like, I love cake. Like I love these things that come from these ingredients that have, a background that is more complicated on how it got here. And that doesn't mean that like we have to ignore the truth of what happened because we got something we like out of it. Like we can still enjoy like desserts. We can still enjoy the present, but we need to acknowledge what happened and it doesn't become a silver lining. It doesn't become a justification and it doesn't erase what happened. Yeah. So I think that's a lot of what it was, both on a personal level and just like trying to make sense of the world kind of level. Sure, sure. No, I appreciate that. And and yeah, you're right. I mean, it is so relevant. It is it is not something I anticipated uh, to find in Yummy. But then as you read it, it makes so much sense. It does. It's just like, oh, of course. Like, yeah, we're talking about different regions and different, you know, and we're talking, we're running it back to, you know, uh, ancient like Egyptian drawings and caves or the 1600s and the Roman empire. And it's like, yeah, like this, if we're, if we're dealing with the full scope of history, then, then yeah, there's going to be sour notes. There's going to be sour ingredients. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and we have to be honest about that. And yeah, I think to your point, you know, it's like, yeah, it's not like, Oh, it's okay because we got cake. Like that's, that's never the point (laughs) you're making here. Um, but it's, some of that is, is just where we are. Um, okay. Yeah, no, I think it's effective. Uh, so what else is next for you? You got Yummy 2 coming. Kind of what else do you have going on? Um, so that's what I'm working on right now. Uh, there are future projects in the pipeline. I'm planning to return to fiction next, which will be really, really fun. Um, I'm not at liberty to say anything else other than that, but uh, good news hopefully soon. Okay. Okay, very cool. As you were doing the um, Yummy and you're, you're writing and drawing everything here, um, did you find yourself gravitating towards one end of the spectrum or the other where you're like, I, I'm preferring the research and, and the writing, or I'm preferring visualizing this, or is it just something you can never see yourself not doing both ends of that? I think, um, sorry, could you like repeat the question again? Yeah. Like basically like in terms of writing versus art, as far as your, your storytelling goes, Mm -hmm. do you have one after yummy's done that you're like, that you 
prefer the most or are they too integrated for you to ever want to give up one of those like on future projects? I think, yeah, it's too integrated for me. I, I really enjoyed the process of working on this book and it's, it's hard for me to even want to hire a flatter because I love flatting. Like it's, mm. it's so silly, but it's like the way I scripted yummy and the way I've sort of like learned the scripting process here was that I had an outline that I was working from and I was sketching out and also writing the script at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, for me, that's just like how I think. And I think it's just come so naturally to me that to write a script, to just write a script or to just do the art wouldn't be as satisfying. And I think would rob a lot of the enjoyment of the actual process of making the book for me. And yeah, even like, you know, I, I love the process of inking and I love the process of coloring. So to do everything is really fun and satisfying. And yeah, it's like after working on these, unfortunately, like for better or for worse, I feel like it's just cemented that feeling of just like, oh, I just love making my own work. Like it takes a lot of time because I'm the only person doing it. But I think I love them all for different reasons. And so to balance it all out in the process is really satisfying. And hopefully, uh, you know, I mean, working with other people has so many benefits and so many people, so many people bring, people bring different people bring different things, which I'm working with other folks and it's a brilliant collaboration. But I think for right now, it definitely was like, oh, I do love doing this. That's good. I mean, that's good. Yeah. That you didn't get, I mean, you're, you're on to yummy too. And you're not like, I'm so furious with a uh, writer myself <laughs> for putting me in these positions as an artist. That's, that's great. Uh, all right. So what a, what a recommended reading do you have for listeners? Doesn't have to be comics, but if it is comics, Ooh. great. Like what, what stuff do you, when you have rare moments where rare windows where you get to read for pleasure, uh, what are you enjoying? Well, I've been, I was rereading Otherworld Barbara by Motohagio because I, I listened mm -hmm. to a splaining podcast and they were talking about Motohagio's work. Oh, yeah. yeah. They were talking about Drunken yeah. Dream on a recent episode. And so I was rereading some of that in Otherworld Barbara. So I definitely recommend those. They're very like interesting sci-fi. Um, in terms of webtoon, nice. I've been catching up on Cheese in the Trap by Sunki. And it's a, it's also a really good kind of, it's kind of a rom-com, but I would actually say it's more of like a romance drama. It's a little bit more dramatic, although it's still very funny. And that is che really- Cheese in the mm -hmm. Trap? Cheese in the Trap. All right. I got to check it out. All right. Because webtoon is always just this, it's always- there's so much, there's there's so, so many much. roads you can go down on Webtoon, right? And it's I, I never quite know where to dig. So anytime somebody mentions a new one, I'm like, yeah, all right, that's the one. I'll, I'll pull that in. Yeah, I think cool. Cheese in the Trap. That one's really good. Yeah, and Sunki has another one out that's currently coming out. Like Cheese in the Trap is all completed, so you have to like read it in little chunks. But uh, the mm. new one that's coming out currently is called After School Lessons for Unripe Apples, and that one's really funny. It's very charming, and just like the main character is so cute and mischievous. Nice. Nice. All right, cool. Those are good recs. Uh, what are your favorite comics of all time? Well, Otherworld Barbara by Moto Hageo is one of them. Um, I really love okay. uh, Ayazawa's Nana and Paradise Kiss. Those are two of my absolute favorites. Um, yeah. I also really love Triple X Holic by Clamp, um, which deals with sort of like ghost stories. It's definitely a little bit episodic until it's not. And it, the force of the, the change of the characters and the narrative coming in sort of hits you like a truck in a really satisfying way. So I love that as well. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. I'm definitely, I'm literally 
adding other world barbara to my to read list right now um <laughs> I've, awesome. been, I've been following the manga explaining podcast as well mm-hmm. uh and i i like i have such a um you know, an American centric, you know, superhero comics lens growing up, right? Like, it's just so much what I read. Um, so I'm only now like taking the time to like, okay, I need to read more manga. And uh, like, I just read all of Pluto. And, like, oh, yeah, it. Like, great. I absolutely devoured it. Yeah. So I'm anytime somebody has a wreck, I'm like, yes, yes, more. Get, they, this list is getting enormous, if, but that's perfect. If you like, okay, this is, I have not read this series, but my partner has been collecting like every Naoki Urasawa book he can get his hands on. Mm-hmm. And he really loves 20th Century Boys. So okay, I, I just got the first uh, the first volume from my library. <laughs> okay, good. Yep. So that's that's on my radar. Yeah, amazing, awesome. All right, uh, Victoria, this was a pleasure. Everybody should definitely check out Yummy. It's super fun. Um, again, like it's all these things, all these baked goods that I take for granted, right? And then kind of actually getting to like, yeah, who who thought of that? Or not not even who so much as like how was that thought of and how are they made and what's the history of these things? Uh, it's very fun. It's it's a good history. I know it's. Um, written largely for a younger audience, but like it goes down smooth, I think for, for all ages, which is, uh, always, I think a good thing. So thanks for joining. Is there anything else you want to plug, uh, any other social outlets or anything that you want people to know about before, uh, before we wrap? Well, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Friday afternoon, but that's about it. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk and everybody, uh, yummy will be linked here in the show notes. So thanks for listening. I'm Dave. You can find all my stuff, of course, at comic book Herald. Uh, in comicbookherald.com. So thanks for listening, everybody, and enjoy the comics.